let there be no doubt. If Russia commits this breach by invading Ukraine, responsible nations around the world will not hesitate to respond. President Biden's toughest words to date aimed directly at Vladimir Putin. And as war looms, Americans are warned about cyber attacks and higher energy prices. The rising cost of climate change is nailing homeowners big time and... This case was never about damages in the sense of compensation. It was about damages in the sense of forcing change. A gunmaker is forced to pay millions for its link to a horrific crime. I'm Paul Brandis. You're listening to West Wing Reports from Washington. It's Friday, February 18th. The problem with taping a podcast like this one is that a breaking story could quickly render it irrelevant. We've been hearing from U.S. officials for weeks now that a Russian invasion of Ukraine could occur at any moment. Thankfully, this has not happened. But if it does, then President Biden, as he's been saying for weeks, will lower the boom on the Kremlin. If Russia proceeds, we will rally the world to oppose its aggression. The United States and our allies and partners around the world are ready to impose powerful sanctions on export controls, including actions that did not, we did not pursue when Russia invaded Crimea in eastern Ukraine in 2014. We will put intense pressure on their largest and most significant financial institutions and key industries. These measures are ready to go as soon and if Russia moves. We'll impose long-term consequences. We'll undermine Russia's ability to compete economically and strategically. And when it comes to Nord Stream 2, the pipeline that would bring natural gas from Russia to Germany, if Russia further invades Ukraine, it will not happen. The Russians put out a video they claim shows units being withdrawn from the Ukrainian border, but American and NATO intelligence say that's a lie and that the Russians have actually been sending more troops to the border. The tension, meantime, keeps ratcheting up. Ukraine claimed at least 29 artillery shells landed on one border town. Images on television showed a school damaged, but no casualties. The report could not be independently confirmed. And the Pentagon says a Russian fighter jet flew within five feet of an American plane over the Mediterranean. President Biden told us Thursday he has no plans to speak again, for now anyway, with Putin. But at the United Nations Security Council, U.S. and Russian diplomats traded barbs. Here's Secretary of State Antony Blinken. The stakes go far beyond Ukraine. This is a moment of peril for the lives and safety of millions of people, as well as for the foundation of the United Nations Charter and the rules-based international order that preserves stability worldwide. This crisis directly affects every member of this council and every country in the world. Because the basic principles that sustain peace and security, principles that were enshrined in the wake of two world wars and a cold war, 
are under threat. The principle that one country cannot change the borders of another by force. The principle that one country cannot dictate another's choices or policies or with whom it will associate. The principle of national sovereignty. This is the exact kind of crisis that the United Nations, and specifically this Security Council, was created to prevent. Blinken's right about all of that, but the Security Council can't, won't do anything because like the U.S., Russia and China are permanent members of the Security Council and will veto anything that America proposes. But the world is watching, and that makes it a good forum to let everyone know what the Russians are up to. Blinken describes the methods Russia would use to start a war. First, Russia plans to manufacture a pretext for its attack. This could be a violent event that Russia will blame on Ukraine, or an outrageous accusation that Russia will level against the Ukrainian government. We don't know exactly the form it will take. It could be a fabricated so-called terrorist bombing inside Russia, the invented discovery of a mass grave, a staged drone strike against civilians, or a fake, even a real, attack using chemical weapons. Russia may describe this event as ethnic cleansing or a genocide, making a mockery of a concept that we in this chamber do not take lightly, nor do I take lightly, based on my family history. In the past few days, Russian media has already begun to spread some of these false alarms and claims to maximize public outrage, to lay the groundwork for an invented justification for war. Today, that drumbeat has only intensified in Russia's state-controlled media. We've heard some of these basic allegations from Russian-backed speakers here today. Second, in response to this manufactured provocation, the highest levels of the Russian government may theatrically convene emergency meetings to address the so-called crisis. The government will issue proclamations declaring that Russia must respond to defend Russian citizens or ethnic Russians in Ukraine. Next, the attack is planned to begin. Russian missiles and bombs will drop across Ukraine. Communications will be jammed. Cyber attacks will shut down key Ukrainian institutions. After that, Russian tanks and soldiers will advance on key targets that have already been identified and mapped out in detailed plans. We believe these targets include Russia's capital, uh, Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, a city of 2.8 million people. And conventional attacks are not all that Russia plans to inflict upon the people of Ukraine. We have information that indicates Russia will target specific groups of Ukrainians. We've been warning the Ukrainian government of all that is coming. And here today, we are laying it out in great detail with the hope that by sharing what we know with the world, we can influence Russia to abandon the path of war and choose a different path while there's still time. Secretary of State Antony Blinken at the UN. Meantime, here's a question for anyone old enough to remember the run-up to the Iraq war nearly two decades ago. Should Americans be skeptical of what U.S. intelligence agencies are saying about this situation? Here's what National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told CNN's Jake Tapper. 
You've been warning about the Russians using a false flag operation to justify invading Ukraine. That, that's a strong claim to make without presenting a shred of evidence. Is there anything more you can tell the public, a public that might be justifiably rather skeptical of claims about intelligence? Well, let me make three points on this. First, we're not putting forward this intelligence to start a war, which has happened in the past, Jake. We are putting forward this intelligence to stop a war. And I think that fundamentally gives it, at the outset, a different level of credibility. Secondly, this is consistent with the Russian playbook. We have seen them do this before, many times. You ask any Russia expert, they will point to examples of where Russia has used false flag operations as pretext to start military action. And then third, if you look at the Russian media, they are laying the groundwork for a potential pretext by raising the possibility of attacks by Ukrainian forces on either Russians themselves or Russia's proxy forces in the Donbass. And then finally, what we have said is stood at the podium and shared with our uh, allies that we have information that we have gathered through intelligence that indicates that there is active planning for this. And it's not just the United States saying it. We have our NATO allies stepping out and saying it as well because they've been able to review that intelligence, assess its credibility, and reach the same conclusion we have reached. So I do think the world should be prepared for Russia staging a pretext and then launching uh, a potential uh, military action. And with war talk growing, U.S. security officials are warning about possible Russian cyber attacks here. Both the FBI and Department of Homeland Security tell law enforcement, military, and others charged with overseeing critical infrastructure to be on heightened alert for possible attacks in conjunction with a possible Russian attack on Ukraine. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Skeptical of climate change? Well, CoreLogic, the property intelligence firm, says 14.5 million U.S. homes were affected by natural disasters last year, causing nearly $57 billion in damage, and the common denominator, it says, was climate change. And there's more. A major report this week by seven federal agencies points out that sea levels are rising faster and faster, and cities that used to see only occasional flooding are now seeing a lot more, and this will get even worse in the years ahead. A legal decision to tell you about nearly a decade after the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut. The families of nine of the 26 victims have won $73 million from Remington, the maker of the AR-15 used in the killings. You know, mass shootings are all too common 
in this country, and they seem to blend together. But Sandy Hook continues to stand out in all its horror because of the 26 victims, 20 were just young children. Veronique De La Rosa lost her six-year-old son, Noah. I thought December 14th, 2012 would be just a, an ordinary day and a string of ordinary days. But my little boy, Noah, never came home from school that day. I invite you all to imagine one moment we had this dazzling, energetic, six-year-old little boy, and the next, all we had left were echoes of the past, photographs of a lost child who will never grow older, calendars marking a horrifying new anniversary, and a lonely grave and pieces of Noah's life now stored in boxes and in his school backpack. Today marks an inflection point when our duty of care to our children as a society finally supersedes the bottom line of an industry that made such an atrocity as Sandy Hook possible to begin with. Today is a day of accountability for an industry that has thus far enjoyed operating with immunity and impunity. Trump Organization lost its longtime accounting firm this week. The firm says that it could no longer rely on past financial statements from the former president's company. What does this mean? Well, the attorney general of New York has alleged that Trump and his company used fraudulent and misleading financial statements to inflate asset values to secure loans from banks, as well as reducing their values to lower their tax obligations. The accounting firm's move can be seen as bolstering the attorney general's charge. How serious is this for the former president? Well, remember White House advisor Kellyanne Conway? Her husband George, a high-powered lawyer, tells CNN's John Berman that this is much worse for Trump than even getting impeached twice. The worst thing that can happen to an impeached president is they be, they, they, they're removed from office and they go back to doing what they did in private life. This is his private life. This is what he had to go back to, which is running his own private business. And now... His private business, 10 years of financial statements have been pulled by the accountants, and the accountants are basically saying you cannot rely on them, which raises all sorts of potential collateral issues for the Trump organization, which could be there could be debt covenants that say that, you know, you have to keep providing us on an annual basis, uh, 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 audited financial statements or reliable uh, financial statements that have been looked over by an accountant. And now he can't do that. They're all gone. All these all these financial statements are worthless to him. And there's no likelihood. I think it was pointed out earlier in the hour that he's going to be able to find another accountant to fix this problem. And it's 10 years worth. That's just remarkable. I mean, this is about this is about as calamitous a thing that could happen to a business that you could imagine and other than, you know, getting indicted or, or going bankrupt. And, and this could lead to going bankrupt. What about getting indicted? Do you think he's in a worse legal situation because of this? Getting, well, it, 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 of course, yeah, it, it's highly problematic because now you are, you have the the accounting firm saying, although they say they they say that they they didn't find 
determine whether there are material discrepancies. What they're basically saying there is we have no idea what the right numbers should be, and you can't rely on them. And the reason why we and the fact that they are uh, resigning as his accountants basically means that they're pointing the finger at him. They have a conflict of interest with him, according to the letter, which means, as I interpret it, under these circumstances, they're basically playing on Team AG and Team DA and not on Team Trump anymore. And they are going to be pointing the fingers at the Trump organization and say, well, OK, well, you know, the, the information here, if it's wrong, they gave it to us. Mm -hmm. And that's not helpful. And particularly, it's unhelpful for the investigation, the part of the investigation that's being conducted by uh, Letitia James, the attorney general. She has the authority to bring a civil case under a New York statute called the Martin Act. And the Martin Act, because it's a civil statute and because of the way it's written, doesn't require the prosecutor to prove um, intent and, and fraudulent intent. And, that, and if these statements are basically, if the accountants are basically concluding that these statements are not reliable, that these contain false statements, basically that case is proven. Did you get all that? Sounds like trouble for Trump. And then there's more. A New York judge has ruled that Trump, his son Donald Trump Jr. and daughter Ivanka, must sit for depositions in the New York Attorney General's civil investigation of their business practices. We'll open up the History Vault in a minute. First, though, let's hear about another Evergreen podcast that I know you'll enjoy. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. Time now to open up the West Wing Report's archives and see what made history this week in the past. 1803, arguably the most important case in Supreme Court history, one which still resonates today, of course, the landmark Marbury v. Madison decision. It affirms a hallmark of American democracy, the principle of checks and balances. The ruling said that the Supreme Court does have the authority to limit congressional power by declaring legislation unconstitutional. 1807, listen to this when former Vice President Aaron Burr was arrested in Alabama on charges of treason. He was accused of plotting to create a new country from the recently purchased Louisiana Territory with him as its leader. He was eventually acquitted. This very moment, through the wonder of telecommunications, more people are seeing and hearing what we say than on any other such occasion in the whole history of the world. That's Richard Nixon in 1972 on what was arguably the most important trip ever taken by an American president, his dramatic journey to China. The trip helped open the door to China to enter the modern world, an event of monumental consequence. Nixon called his trip the week that changed the world, which it did, and to this day the phrase Nixon going to China has become a metaphor for an unexpected or uncharacteristic action by a politician. Want more history? Check out my books on Amazon. I'll sign them for you, too. Just shoot me an email, pbrandis at evergreenpodcasts.com. And need a speaker for your event? I do that, too. Current events, economics, analysis, and history. I connect the dots and would love to hear from you. 
Speaking of books, by the way, I'll send you one if you download my new app. It's called West Wing Reports, available in the Apple and Android stores. Just download it on your phone or tablet. There's a button called What's on Your Mind. All you do is push, talk, and send. That's it. Just leave a comment and your name goes into a drawing for any of my books, your choice. I'd like to end each week with a quote, something you might find thoughtful on this President's Day weekend. It's from George Washington, and he said, quote, Be Americans. Let there be no sectionalism, no north, south, east, or west. You are all dependent on one another and should be one in union. In one word, be a nation. Be Americans and be true to yourselves. Think about it. Well, that's all for this week. My email again, pbrandis at evergreenpodcasts.com. West Wing Reports is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to C-SPAN and CNN for the audio clips. Our producer, sound designer, and engineer, Noah Fouts. Executive producers, Michael DeAloya and Gerardo Orlando. I'm Paul Brandis in Washington. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.